0: You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Erasmus Stylianessis.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to Here for the Truth. This is episode 23, and we have a fucking incredible guest for you today, someone who I have the utmost respect for someone that I'm blessed to call a friend and someone who has inspired, uh, inspired me uh, in introducing me to Germanic healing knowledge, German new medicine. And it's just so awesome to have you here. And I, I just wanna like read your bio real quickly. So our guests can have a night or our, our guests, our viewers can have an idea uh, of who you are and what you do. So this is Dr. Melissa Sell. She's a chiropractor and Germanic healing knowledge teacher. She helps people to understand their symptoms from the Germanic healing knowledge, German new medicine perspective, guides them in learning to trust their bodies, and teaches them mental shifts for creating a deep sense of peace and well being. I love all that. It's amazing. I just want to first say that uh, the first half of this episode will be available to the public, and the second half will be available to uh, our members on Patreon. So, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You guys are awesome. And yeah, I'm excited to uh, talk. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) We have so many questions for you. But I think think the first one to start off with is what is GHK, GNM? What is it? What is Germanic healing knowledge? What is German new medicine? I know those those (laughs) phrases are used interchangeably.
2: Yeah. So it is uh, the revolution we've all been waiting for. (laughs) It is the most ancient wisdom of our bodies that has always existed for forever. um, That was discovered by a German medical doctor in the early eighties, late seventies, following a personal tragedy that he experienced. And basically he mapped out how the body functions and how the psyche And our perception of the stuff that goes on in our life is intimately connected with every single organ, with our brain, and how basically our bodies are designed to heal and to adapt to the shocking circumstances of life. And the stuff that we have been calling disease for the last several hundred years isn't a mistake of the body. So cancer isn't a mistake. When you have a sore throat, it's not a mistake. When you have a cough, it's not because of a microorganism. It is because your body has deliberately and intentionally adapted to your perception of your environment. And so it's a very, it's very rich and deep and complicated because it's how our bodies function. And so, yes, Germanic healing knowledge, German new medicine. He originally called it new medicine, then he called it Germanic new medicine, and then, um, Towards the end of his life, Dr. Homer uh, began referring to it as Germanic healing knowledge to get away from the medicine title. And so that's why the names kind of interchangeably, um, but we'll be referring to it as GHK or GNM um, to refer to what is the five biological laws. And so these are the things that he discovered about how our bodies function. And so it's just, it's incredible wisdom that I think every single individual on the planet needs to know about.
1: It's super empowering knowledge, and I guess another question I I have for you is, you know, I feel like I've been someone who's kind of been in the personal, like the health and wellness, personal development realms into a lot of different things, and it wasn't until I connected with you that I had heard about German new medicine, and so I want to ask you, why is that? Why don't more people know GHK?
2: I have no idea. I mean, that's the same way I felt. It, was, it wasn't was until 2017, um, the beginning of that year, that I stumbled across it ran- randomly listening to a podcast. Someone mentioned it, and I was like, what is that? I've never heard of this. And I've been around natural, holistic, I mean, all of chiropractic school, all of alternative health and healing and wellness and all of that, and not a whisper, not a word. Hadn't heard of this German medical doctor who developed testicular cancer after his son was shot and discovered this amazing stuff about the body. And so uh, it is It is the best secret in um, in wellness and health. Um, and yeah, I'm just trying to do my part to share it with people because I really do think it is this mind blowing, how does this exist? And I don't not know about it type of information.
1: I mean, you've, you've paid it forward because you, know, you, you shared it with me um, and now I'm doing my part, and studying it. Um, there's always so much to study and I literally tell everyone I know about it. I'm like, everything we've we've learned about what health is and what disease is, is not true. You know, that there's this wisdom, there's this knowledge that has been around, which this is what blows my mind, is like he made these discoveries, like the five biological laws 40 years ago. And not surprisingly, he made these discoveries and was probably like, oh my God, I've discovered the Holy Grail. Let me go tell my colleagues. Let me tell the people I work with. And they're like, typical like don't no 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 no. we're not having any of this you can't come and just like destroy the conventional paradigm and and you know what i mean like i just can you tell can you talk a little bit about that um i don't want to go into your story but can you talk a little bit about like why this has been around for 40 years and w- what happened with with dr Hummer?
2: well the powers that be are not here for the truth <laughs> and <laughs> So they, you know, here Dr. Homer is with his thesis, with this information, and they, they wouldn't even review it because if they reviewed it and entered it into kind of the body of, we're reviewing this formally, they would have to look at the tenets, look at the thesis, look at what's being presented, and they didn't want to know. Um, I I believe I I remember reading something where they, when they were asked why aren't you reviewing this thesis it's like we don't want to know if this is true, and it has been independently verified by several different sources. Um, The brain scans um, confirmed by Siemens, which is you know that is one of the most tangible physical proofs I mean everything else it's it's so common sense like the people I work with and the people I talk to they don't need to see a brain scan they don't need you know the objective scientific proof they just know and that's the thing that so resonates as truth with this wisdom as soon as I read it and kind of started my my gears started turning about like okay what is this all about it just resonated deep in my bones and everybody that i've spoken to who learns gnm and understands and just sees a couple of their symptoms through the lens of this wisdom they're like it this is how the body works and it's clear as day and it can't be argued against and it is it is logical and it's verifiable and it's consistent. And that's the thing that makes this like biological laws. There are no exceptions. Like Dr. Hammer did extensive research and he found again and again and again, there were not any exceptions. And so, I mean, really, when you look at what this information would mean for the pharmaceutical industry, for the cancer industry, for, you know, all of modern medicine, it is desolation, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it is complete upturn, like anything but emergency medicine and learning how to support the body through intense healing phases, which is the future of healthcare, it becomes completely obsolete because a person who understands that their chronic psoriasis isn't, you know, just a random inflammatory process that they need to take steroids for forever when they understand oh this is because i've been separated from my partner or my partner's overseas or you know this person has been taken away from me or my dog died or my child died and it's like oh this makes sense you know sure may some people still opt to Just use the band aid, the pharmaceutical band aid, which is all what all pharmaceuticals are, (laughs) is just a band aid, um, never gets to the source, never gets to the cause. And so it really does, it's threatening on every level to conventional modern medicine as we know it. So that's why people don't know about it. And that's why it hasn't ever, you know, there aren't schools that talk about it, why medical schools, they're not taught this um, because it is not profitable for the pharmaceutical industries who fund the schools and, you know, all of the research it is, you know, it's a boys club (laughs) and, uh, they didn't want Dr. Homer's research and information and the things he discovered.
1: Yeah. I read that he was, um, imprisoned as well. I think, was it in, um, in France for, it was agitation against Orthodox medicine. I think was the crime, which, I mean, it blows my mind. What?
0: No surprise with that one
1: no and you know his license was taken away and you know I know there's anyways I can only imagine the impact that would have on on someone's life like that to to have this to have these discoveries and then for them to fall on deaf ears so
0: Melissa your your passion and your excitement is so contagious like I'm just sitting here tingling as you're talking it's actually super super exciting and I mean as, as always everything has its timing you know and maybe the circumstances that we find ourselves in are the perfect ripe and fertile ground for wisdom such as this to start presenting itself um, to a broader audience. My question to you is this, in the most basic terms possible through the GNM, GHK lens, what is the relationship between conflict and quote unquote disease?
2: OK, so conflict, which is being confronted with something for which you are not prepared. So this is a conflict shock, also called the DHS, a dirk homer syndrome. dirk homer was Dr. homer's son um, who started this whole process of him discovering uh, this amazing wisdom. And so it's something in a moment that is isolating, that catches you off guard. So that's a conflict shock. And it's something that you, you weren't anticipating, you weren't prepared for. You know, Dr. homer says it caught you on the wrong foot, completely un- unaware. And in that moment, you felt isolated, all alone. And so your body has pre-programmed within it biological special programs. And so these are adaptation programs. And so most people are familiar with fight or flight. You know, you're driving down the highway, you see a cop car, you, you know, your heart starts racing, your hands get sweaty. You know, you go through this uh, sympathetic process where you are heightened. But what Dr. Homer discovered is that depending on your perception of that shock, and so your perception is built out of like the ancient wisdom in your body also your own personal experiences i think also your family experiences so there's basically all these old memories and so every single time that an ancestor of yours experienced something adapted to it and survived that wisdom is programmed within kind of the deeper knowledge of all of your nervous system and so your nervous system makes a split second assessment of what tissues would best be adapted to help you to survive this shocking situation that you are in the midst of. And so immediately there is um, an impact in your brain. So your psyche is what perceives. So your, your psyche is your whole nervous system, everything within you that detects What's going on? You know, right now it's detecting the temperature of the room, it, it, it's detecting sounds, it's, it's constantly in this um, signal detection mode. And then, as soon as there's something that's potentially shocking, potentially something that you can't handle, that you're caught off guard, the body's at the ready to press the button. And so, the button is in the brain. So, the psyche. Perceives the brain is activated. There's a, a ring shaped formation in particular areas of the brain, depending on the organ that would best be adapted to help you survive the situation. You know, so for the example of a death fright conflict, the impact is in the brain stem, and then your lung alveoli begin proliferating. So it's a whole biological program that takes place on three levels. Um, so that's what the shock is. This is this moment. So it's not just stress. A lot of times people will, you know, hear a little bit about GNM and say, oh, well, you know, psychosomatic stress causes disease, of course, but it's more detailed and nuanced Mm -hmm. than that it is the specific biological program that gets activated by how your nervous system psyche perceives the particular event and so that is the conflict shock and that's how it relates to the organ so depending on again the perception of the conflict different areas in the brains, we've got the old brain, we've got the middle brain, we've got the new brain, and those each control different tissues. And so we get to work backwards, we can look at the tissue on our body that is exhibiting a symptom. And we can know we can trace it back to there's an impact in your brain here. And this is the type of conflict shock that you experienced.
0: So depending on our perception of the conflict that determines which organ proliferates those tissues, is that right? Yes. Wow. Okay. So, um, how does the how does the healing take place once we once we observe what kind of conflict um, was was initiated?
2: So a lot of times it's, it's very, it's spontaneous. So you have the conflict. It's a very real, and this is, you know, the first level of all of the GNM GHK work is practical because, you know, ultimately we are organisms we're animals, and we are in very real environments where there's a shocking, something, something's running after you, you're being chased. And then, so that's the conflict I'm mm-hmm. in the conflict right now. I'm literally fighting fleeing, fainting, I'm, I'm doing something to get out of this shocking situation. Um, hopefully, whatever that is, works, you know, I, I faint, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so afraid. But you know, now I'm in this play dead mode. And so the predator is no longer after me, it's gone. That's a natural resolution. Mm-hmm. And so the body has programmed within it. So if I built up additional lung alveoli during that death fright conflict um, I, because I needed to get more oxygen in my system, the moment I'm out of that scary situation, the body starts breaking down those extra cells. If a different example, if it was a territorial fear conflict, which is how my psyche perceived the event and there is widening of my bronchial mucosa so I could get more air through my airway, um, there's tissue loss during the active conflict, And then when I resolve it and I'm back to safety, the body has to rebuild it. And so these are all, again, programmed in. There's nothing we need to do to heal. All we need to do is regain our safe environment, get out of the danger that we were previously in. And so that's where, you know, practical resolution is always going to be the best, the fastest, the most effective um, so that you can get back to a balance. Um, But the problem comes in is with these big Core, cerebral cortexes we have and this ability to think and project and to think about the past and the future and you know we get caught up in our heads about our problems and we also have a lot of tracks and triggers which are things that gets there's a snapshot the moment we have a shock. And then when we encounter these smells or sounds or sights, our body says, oh, remember when this happened? (laughs) And it reactivates the biological program. So there's a lot of layers to understanding how do I get into the healing phase? How do I get out of conflict? How do I ensure that my nervous system, my psyche knows I'm safe, all is well. This problem can't happen again. That's something I I recently learned from um, Helmut Pilhar, which was Dr. Homers, um, a guy that he had teach his seminars. Um, one of the things in his lectures I heard him say is when the conflict can't happen again, which is when it's fully put to bed. He says, the stone has dropped from my soul. And so that's what we're going for is we're going for this, this stone that's in your soul, the shock that's in your psyche. What's it going to take for you to fully release it, let it go, make, you know, be it, make it so it doesn't, it can't happen to you again. Um, And so sometimes, you know, if your nervous system is so primed, it's so afraid, okay, well, that circumstance is over, but this thing could happen again, it keeps the conflict active. And so there's a lot of, um, you know, self-knowledge and self-exploration that it's going to take um, to to resolve something, especially that's been longstanding for a while.
0: Yeah.
1: So, I mean, there's so much detail to, to GHK once you get into it, you know, but once you understand the basics of it, I think it's, it's super, super powerful. So from a GHK standpoint, once the conflict is resolved, so th- symptoms start presenting themselves. So in, in the mo- modern medical way of looking at things, or even just culturally, is that when people have symptoms or disease, they think something's wrong with them, they're sick, when in actuality, that your body has initiated the healing phases, correct?
2: Correct, and that is the one of the biggest reframes, because that's what people need is when you present with a symptom, you know, when, when you have uh, swollen lymph nodes, when there's blood in the toilet, when you're itching, when, when something seems to be flaring up, when your head aches, that's when we say, oh no, something's wrong with me. When I start coughing, oh no, something's wrong with me. But that is simply, we are looking at the second half of a two-phase process. And it's the ignorance of phase A, of the conflict adaptation phase that we were in. Um, when we just look just at the symptom, what do we do? We try to find a cause for it. We say, oh, it's the cancer cell. Oh, it's the bacteria. Oh, it's the virus. We swab something at the area that's symptomatic. And we look at it under a microscope and we say, aha, I found it. This is, this is the thing. This is the thing that caused your problem. Let's eradicate the thing. Eradicate the bacteria or the virus or the cancer. Uh, so you no longer have this uncomfortable symptom. But that is, you know, and it's ignorance, it's ignorance of an entire process, it's out of context, when you look at just the symptom out of the entire context, you would think oh my gosh please take this cancer out of me get rid of this bacteria it's causing this uncomfortable um, symptom within my body and I want it gone. But when you zoom out, and you understand that this is part of something bigger that's going on these biological special programs, you start to say, Oh, oh my goodness, you know I'm coughing and it's uncomfortable and I'm itching and it's uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, but, but I know that this indicates I've resolved my conflict and my body is now uh, healing it's restoring tissue it's breaking down tissue that's no longer necessary, a very vital process is happening here. And so you take care of yourself differently, and it's all about supporting your system. You know, in in some cases, if it was an extreme conflict that went on for a really long time, you know, there are certain conflicts that you don't want to fully resolve. Um, this has to do with um, the heart program. Uh, Dr. Homer discovered that if a person has a heart program running for nine months, um, it will result in in a deadly heart attack. But if it's less than nine months, they can survive it. And so this is, uh, it's a—it's in—it's nature, <laughs> you know, nature takes people out of the race in some situations. Um, he, he, if you look at wolf packs and the way that it works when, you know, there's an alpha wolf and then there's all the other wolves and um, the second wolf, it is he operates in a different way. His brain functions differently. He has had a territorial loss conflict and he's not to resolve that conflict because once, if he resolves it, he can become alpha and it messes up the whole pack order. And so, I mean, this is nature. This is how nature functions. And so Dr. Homer, he observed nature in ways that nobody else has before. He saw things that have always existed. And so by understanding it and working within the framework, you can help people. So if a guy has had, you know, heart pains, chest pains for three months. It's like, listen, we got to downgrade this as soon as possible. We don't want you to get to the nine month mark. Um, and so there are, you know, what we do within healthcare is going to be so different when people are recognizing these biological laws and seeing, Oh, this symptom, it indicates something. And if I can figure out what it's indicating downgrade and resolve it, we can, you know, potentially save your life.
0: So to take an example, um, someone could live an incredibly unhealthy lifestyle according to conventional terms but never experience any conflict have an entire life of peace wellness and balance and regardless of you know what i mean what they i guess consumed their interactions etc they wouldn't develop heart problems because there was no conflict yeah.
2: yes and so yeah and it is you know in and, and this we all have examples of this, of the, yeah. someone just messaged me the other day of like a grandma who's like 102 years old and has never like, you know, done anything special with her nutrition. Yeah. Disease-free, still kicking it at 102. Yeah. Um, you know, yet people who are health freaks, who, you know, eat certain ways and have, you know, diets and fasting and do all this stuff, yet, you know, die at 45 of a heart attack or of cancer or something like that. And so we all know that there are exceptions to the quote rules about healthy lifestyle. And if I just am healthy enough, you know, and, and eat the right foods, I won't ever get sick. And this was why, you know, GNM just, oh, because I saw many examples of that and it would, it really hurt my brain because I was like, I thought that I was teaching people how to prevent this from happening. But then someone who I looked up to and saw as like this person so healthy, you know, would develop like a brain tumor or something crazy. And I'm like, how does this happen? If they're doing everything right, what am I missing? And it was this.
1: And that was the thing with Dr. Hammer is that he was, he was a health, a healthy person and ate well and took care of himself. And then his, his son, you know, was, was accidentally killed. And three months later he developed testicular cancer. And he was like, wait a minute, like what happened with my son has to have some correlation relationship and that kind of brought him down the rabbit hole of exploring all this uh, which i think is is fascinating do you want to give another i guess example around that from a ghk perspective like what happened there with dr hummer
2: yeah Just so explain like with- Yeah. So with the testicular cancer, that's a loss conflict affecting the testicles and there is erosion. And so it's similar to the ovary within a woman. If there's a loss, uh, a tragic loss conflict, there's erosion within the testicle or in the ovary. um, And it, The biological purpose is to enhance the testicle or enhance the ovary, so that once the conflict is resolved, so once you accept the loss, accept what's happened, the body starts building additional tissue, and so the whole purpose is to produce more testosterone or more uh, more estrogen, so you can become more male, so that you can make up for the loss that you suffered, or the the woman she be she has enhanced estrogen, so she can attract a partner and have another child, because biologically. It is, it's, it's the loss of a child, which typically impacts the person in that particular way, um, affecting either the testicles or the ovaries. And then the body has this program to enhance, and it's all about replacement. (laughs) You know, it's like, if you lost something, let's get you another one. (laughs) That's the most biological and, you know, it's not very sentimental. It's like, yeah, if you lost your spouse, get a new spouse. If you lost your dog, get a new dog. That's like the very practical way of resolving a conflict. Um, And so a lot of times, um yeah you you may be able to do that and and if you can think just very practically and biologically what's going to be the thing that helps me to resolve this you know obviously people aren't, you know, your children, when you lose them, that's a very tragic and very sad thing. And so it's hard to accept moving on from it or resolving it. Um, But finding out a way to do that will allow you to, you know, your body to begin restoring. But if then you think, oh my gosh, now I have a tumor. That's the thing about um, like cancer diagnosis. It's typically you had a horrible thing happen. You had a shock, you know, you lost someone in in a shocking way. And then it seems like life is against you. It's like insult to injury. It's like, oh my gosh, I had this this terrible loss. And now I have a cancer diagnosis. And so it's very easy to see how someone who doesn't understand why the cancer happens would just kind of think they're cursed by God <laughs> It's like, why does this like one bad thing after another, but when you see it's connected and it's actually your body trying to help you with the loss, trying to help you make it through the shocking situation, you have more of a rapport with your body. Because I mean, I think one of the saddest things is people thinking their body has turned on them thinking that their body is attacking them, autoimmune, cancer. It's like, why have you failed me, body? And it's so sad because your body has done nothing wrong it has simply responded in its ancient way to your very real situation that you're dealing with and so helping a person to kind of get back into rapport with their body i find to be you know it's such a joy for me to help them to see your body's never it's not done anything to you or against you it is programmed with life it's programmed for survival it wants you to survive and have offspring more than anything Like that's all that it's designed for. It's not designed to attack you. It will not attack itself. Um, You just have to figure out what messages you're sending. It's more of a communication error. It's like, I'm still experiencing this thing, not realizing that my experience and my, you know, sometimes even willingness to kind of go back into worries and fears and, you know, worst case scenario thinking can keep a conflict alive. And so you being being aware and saying, "Oh my goodness, no wonder I keep you know thinking about this person and worrying about it and wondering how it could have gone differently." And you know something I can do differently is to change that pattern, and that can help to put that conflict to bed.
0: Mm-hmm. I came um, I came across this quote today, which everything you just spoken of reminded me of. Um, it says, "I've never seen evidence that they," referring to our bodies contain any principle of mortality. And in recent years, the suspicion that we contain all the equipment needed for perpetual renewal, given the right circumstances, is seeming to be increasingly plausible. And that's by Ray Pete. How does that land for you?
2: Spot on, right on. That's actually... Um... So I'm a chiropractor, and so in chiropractic school, the, the the founders of chiropractic were very philosophically based, and there are all these tenets and pr- principles in in chiropractic, and one of them is innate forces do not work against themselves. It's like it, it doesn't make any sense that the innate forces that built your body, that built your heart, and built your lungs, and built your digestive tract would ever at some point turn against itself. It doesn't make logical sense. And if you think about, you know, the span of evolution and, you know, it's like, how would we have made it here if there was something in our bodies designed to make us break down and die? How would we have made it? You know, same thing with microbes. How would we have made it to the year 2021 if our bodies were simply could succumb to any any random microbe? We wouldn't. We wouldn't have made it. <laughs> you know, the fact that anybody survived any pandemic ever. Um, the fact that we've made it to this point shows us that our bodies are adaptable and resilient and can withstand and survive all sorts of, you know, toxic assaults and, you know, crazy electromagnetic. I mean, we've made it look at us. Yeah. And so yeah, that, that quote is awesome because it is our bodies know what to do. There isn't a principle of breakdown. That's actually like the fifth biological law the quintessence it's meaningfulness it's that the body there's nothing malignant or diseased in nature there's nothing you know you, you don't say that oh this there's no evil in nature you know if uh if the owl eats the mouse that's not an evil act <laughs> that is you know it's an act of nature and so in our bodies there's no evil there's no malignancy there's nothing you know scary and that is you have to see how we've taken mythology and religion and how we have like put it onto our biology that has nothing to do with that. Our biology is of nature it is of growth and life there's a life principle, an innate healing wisdom that operates this whole body apparently because I'm not thinking about beating my heart or digesting my lunch or you know doing anything. I'm just here existing and it's all taking care of itself And so for me to tap into that and that's what I, I love for people to to learn about to say oh my goodness I can tap into the wisdom that built my heart to the wisdom that's operating all of these functions. That, that's all that there is. It's, it's life. It's life principle functioning through us. And it's the idea of evil. The idea that my body is turned against me or there's something wrong with me. That is the poison, is the idea of disease.
0: Like this is the most empowering information that I've possibly ever heard, you know? <laughs> and so to, to consider the possibility that this is the fact, right? It's, it's paradigm shattering, absolutely um but my whole body lights up and it resonates and it makes perfect sense I mean this is the most broadest holistic perspective if we're going to talk about what holistic is you know um yeah
1: I uh, I echo everything you said Joel I mean when I first came across this I was just like WTF like this yeah. is fucking insane and then the more you read about it the more you get into it And then you start seeing it play out, you know, like there's, I'll be watching something on TV now that I know some basics and like some character in some show will be like having this thing. And then I'll tell Sophie, my wife, I'm I'm in a conflict active state right now. And you know what I mean? It's like really cool to see, but even within myself, I mean, it is so empowering. It -hmm. is so empowering. And I think that's why this knowledge is so important is because let's say you lose your dog or let's say, you know, like someone tries to rob you and then you're in that state, you're in the conflict active state for however long. And then there's resolution. And then let's say someone shows up for their yearly exam to their doctor. And then you know that this is the thing that blows my mind because like we have all the I have to go to my, my biannual exam just to get tested. And so depending on the timing that you show up to your doctor, if it happened to coincide, let's say, like shortly after you resolve some conflict and you don't know this information, the doctor is gonna be like okay, enter my office, um, I have some bad news for you. Um, you have cancer or whatever the case may be. So by not knowing this information, then not only did that thing happen in the past, like whether it was a loss of, of you know, a family member, whether it was a loss of a pet, but then you get this bad news from the doctor. And then what does that then do? You know, That's a whole new shock to the system because you don't have this information. And so can you explain a little bit about that? Like this kind of secondary conflict shock?
2: Absolutely. That's a diagnosis shock. And, you know, that is us not knowing how our bodies function. And it is, it's, it is ultimate disempowerment to not know what your own body is doing because you have to put yourself in the hands of someone else. And so there's like this power dynamic where, you know, I don't know what's going on with my body. Oh, that's what the doctor went to school for. And so here you are in this vulnerable position being told something is wrong with you. And those opinions tend to carry a lot of weight because of the society that we've been raised in where people don't even, they don't even hold it at arm's length and say, okay, let me get a second opinion. Let me see if this is really what's going on. They take it right to heart, you know, and that shock of, am I going to die? you know, what's wrong with me? Am I broken? Am I going to leave my kids? What's going to happen? I mean, your mind is just racing when you're given a cancer diagnosis or any kind of serious diagnosis. And it, it, it does, it comes from you not knowing how your body works. And if you're equipped with this knowledge, even if you do kind of choose to enter that world, you at least know, you can at least hold it at bay and say, okay, this is what's going on from their perspective. They think this needs to be cut out, but I understand this is a normal adaptation process. And so you, you just treat it so much differently when you know, I've actually spoken to some people who have gotten diagnoses after knowing about GNM. And, and so like they've watched videos and they kind of, they were able to not freak out. They were able to say, okay, here's, here's this lump. Here's what the doctor says is going on. I know, you know, I have access to information that they don't, and that's good, that's true. So when you are kind of in this situation where you're like, oh, I'm working with the doctor and the doctor's saying this, and it's like, you do have information that they don't have. And so you learning more and more and more about how your body works. And that's the thing. Fear fades in the light of understanding. The more you understand about how your body functions, the less your fear is going to be. Because, you know, and that's the thing is you have to be able to talk yourself through it because it it is scary when your body does weird stuff. I get it. (laughs) You know, like when a lymph node swells up, when something's going on and there's, you know, it's, it's scary because it's like, Oh, this is my body. And what's wrong with me. And your mind may initially go there, but it's like, when you have this body of information, it's like, let me stay calm. Let me figure out what is going on here from the GNM perspective. And most of the time you can figure it out. You know why you have this terrible toothache, you know, who you wanted to bite, (laughs) you know, why you have bloody diarrhea, you know, what you couldn't process, you couldn't accept what you've been angry about, you know, And so that's why getting in tune with this is so amazing because it's self-knowledge, it's self-wisdom. It's, I've been suppressing this. I haven't been acknowledging this. I haven't been working on it. I've just been, you know, holding it in and, you know, by seeing how it's showing up in your body, it shows you, it gives you the roadmap of the personal growth work that would benefit you to do because if something keeps coming back and keeps coming back and you haven't exited the loop yet, there's more you need to learn about yourself. There's more you need to learn about, about your body and about how you are perceiving your environment so that you can break the pattern, break the spell, get out of the loop and allow your body to finish the biological program.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. So articulately like you're hitting think, like, self-knowledge,
0: self-responsibility. And then we're bringing that into, into tools that can, uh, that we can use tangibly and we can equip ourselves with for our own health going forward to be, be more responsible. Like unbelievable where my mind, where my mind goes. Um, it's like, immediately now it's like okay so we've been we, we've been in this malignant culture where we're constantly under fear constantly under threat the powers that be have you mean constant random conflicts occurring on, on on the collective every now and then you know what i mean it's like what do they know potentially about our our innate intelligence you know and how is how is the game being played from the other side um yeah that's just where my mind's gone <laughs>
1: I mean, I would have no doubt that, I mean, they, they, you know, whoever they are, we don't yeah, the into that conversation, okay. but they understand our psychology better than we understand ourselves. They understand the, the workings of the human body. I'd be highly surprised if they were not aware of this information and knew this information to the degree that they do and want to keep us in that state where we're constantly being shocked or traumatized, et cetera, et
0: cetera, yeah, well, um, it, which it also ties in pretty nicely with reiki and theory right in terms of whole body psyche and whole body intelligence and i mean we all know what happened to wilhelm reich in the same way that it seems as though you mean the same things were attempted on dr harmer so yeah curious to say the least
1: i think when you understand this certain truth that can have such a huge impact on waking up humanity and healing humanity they don't allow that to come to the forefront it's just it's, it just doesn't happen. Mm.
2: Um, people aren't ready for it, you know, as far as the personal responsibility yeah. thing, because it does, it takes, it takes a lot of, Um, you know, guts to look at yourself and to see, because a lot of people will hear it and say, oh, you're saying my cancer is my fault. And they just completely disregard it because they're not interested in like peeling back the layers. Not that it's your fault, as in you're to blame for it, as in you should feel bad about that, but it's, you know, it's my fault. It's my responsibility. It's coming from me, which means I can do something about it, Mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of people, they are in that victim mentality and, you know, having someone there to, to give them medicine and to, take care of them is kind of where they're at in their personal evolution. And they don't, you know, they're not interested in a, in a whole world of self-responsibility and seeing how it's coming from you and and figuring it out. And so, you know, I think there is, there's a market for it. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like the whole pharmaceutical companies, we can't just blame the pharmaceutical companies because there's people who are more than willing to take a pill <laughs> than mm-hmm. do you know do the inner work or do the you know the the physical taking care of your physical vessel. Um, it's easier to numb. It's easier to take a pill. And so yeah, not not everyone's ready for for this level of what it would what it would be like I mean imagining that future is beautiful and I love that you know all the like minds and this crisis has been incredible for connecting people to this wisdom and to seeing oh this is what we've needed all along
1: yeah I like what you said before too because that master slave dynamic you know like there aren't any you know like if there were no slaves or people who saw themselves at, then the master wouldn't appear etc so you know there is that um uh, how do I say, it? how do I say, it? just the relationship again between there are people who want these drugs. They they don't want to do the work. They don't want to like ask the questions or go on the internet and be like, hmm, someone just mentioned the five biological laws on the internet. I think I'm just going to put that in the search bar and see what comes up and spend an hour reading the five biological laws instead of like eating popcorn while I'm watching fucking reality television. You, you know what I mean? That's like priorities of individuals, like where are they putting their energies? Like here is this wisdom This body of knowledge that has been around for 40 fucking years that literally makes everything that we've learned from the day we were born obsolete like you said you know irrelevant like that to me is like holy fuck like give me more i want to know more of this but you know It's not that that there's anything wrong with popcorn no, no no it's not popcorn like i i as i was saying that my i just heard sophie like be like how dare you me yeah, my it popcorn rare. it's a great stuff. She's <laughs> like she loves popcorn i don't mind popcorn either but you know what i mean it's just like it's like the fucking emoji the popcorn emoji yeah you know so yeah, um we
0: we, we 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 prop up the the industries that we blame right like the other collective is constantly propping up it's a you can't you can't blame one or the other um but yeah man Crazy. Real
1: quick, I just want to bring up a personal example for my life, really mm-hmm. small one. And then I I want to get into something that we talk about often in this podcast is with each individual that comes on is like your rites of passage, you know, like what brought you to where you are right now. But I want to just mention something quickly and see if it relates is I am fortunate. I, I don't really I, I, I have pretty good skin. I don't really deal with acne or whatever. But uh, like a week ago, I out of the blue, someone I haven't been in touch with for like 10 years, like, I don't even know, followed me on Instagram, sent me a message, like, hey, man, it's been a while, I just can't believe you've gone down this anti-vaccine path, and, and, like, all these different things, and, like, said I was supporting an evil agenda, and, and, you know, a few things, and, like, it was someone, actually, that I, you know, we both were, were fond of each other, we, we care about each other, but it's been, a, you know, 10 years, maybe we've been in contact, and I definitely was in conflict active state, I was like, hey, how do I respond to this, what, I, I had to go somewhere, so then, I had to, that was still laying in my, weighing in my mind. And it was like a day until I could finally like sit down to just send a a, a response. And then I noticed after that, like the day after or that night that like this big pimple showed up on the right side of my face. (laughs) And so can you talk about that? Cause I I would, I would think that was maybe like an, I felt like attacked, like an attack Mm -hmm. conflict. Would that be correct?
2: Yeah. Maybe even like an intellectual attack.
1: Oh, um, yes. so I can't believe
2: you've on this road, like judging you and like, you know, you being sucked into something because of, you know, your intellect brought you somewhere and being attacked by this person. Absolutely. I mean, figuring the zit thing for me was, that was one of my rites of passage with GNM was because I, I thought it was food. I was convinced it was food, but that is such a good example of an attack, unexpected out of nowhere. You know, you weren't prepared for it. You weren't thinking about this person. It was just like boom in your inbox and you mulled about it you know, for a period of time. And that is that whole period of time, your wonderful body was building a little shield mm-hmm. in, in the deeper layer of your skin, um, as a protection against this intellectual attack. And then when you made peace with it, you resolved it, you sent the message, you said your piece to that person, the body broke down that extra tissue. And that there's the, you know, the pussy, you know, thing we call a zit, it is it's already healed. By the time it appears, you've resolved the conflict. You probably weren't aware when it was active, but you probably didn't feel anything. I've gotten to the point where mm-hmm. I, sh- I can actually feel it when I'm in the active conflict. I feel like I can sense it. I know that it's like, oh, something's going on here. And that's just my trigger to change my tune, figure out, resolve the thing. You know, if I'm feeling attacked or soiled, sometimes if the dogs lick my face. I'll get a feeling soiled and, but then I have to just kind of get out of that and say, oh, you know, this is lovely doggy kisses, change yeah. my perception of it. Um, and so, you know, cause Steve has the dogs lick their, his face all the time and it doesn't bother him because he loves it. He enjoys it. I would have like a kind of a gross reaction to it. And so I would get a breakout from it. And so, yeah, that's such a perfect example.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was so obvious being in the conflict active state because I'd gotten it, but then Sophie and I, we were away last week and I had to go out for breakfast and like, I wasn't present with her. I, when I woke up, I was hungry. I couldn't eat any food because I was like, my mind was going, I was trying to analyze it. How do I communicate? Like it'd been a while. Cause you know, I've been doing what I do and speaking out for a long time. No one really fucks with me. No one really just kind of yeah. says things one on one. So it was like a little abrupt, which was exactly what it was. So anyways, it was just fascinating to having started learning about GNM to, to just like then see it play out in, in real life was was pretty cool. Was pretty I cool. think yes. the
0: most important thing to note which I really want our listeners to take note of also is that it's it's the reaction to the conflict right it's the perception of the conflict so like as, as you go through life and you experience and you mean you become more comfortable and more aware of your nervous system then that is you actually building the resilience to, to conflict right and that's something yeah. long term that obviously yields great benefit for for everyone um but I just came to mind when you mentioned how your partner with the dogs and the, and the licking the face like it's actually it was your it wasn't the conflict it was y- your decision it was your body's reaction or your yeah your perception of it yeah well and
1: I think this is why we're such advocates of, of shadow work of, of yeah. healing your nervous system of healing your trauma because again you're walking through life like you know someone could just clap their hands next to you and you're like all right cool but then someone else it's just like holy fucking shit and like you know be in conflict active state for like three hours and then that could impact them or whatever the case may be or, or a relationship could end and and for one person uh, it could impact them in a really 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 tough way and someone else it would still impact them, maybe not in the same way you know so it's like how you respond to things how you reframe things how you take things in is is super important
0: yeah Definitely. One, well, one, one term, which I like, which I think was actually coined by Laura Matsu is anti-fragile, right? I think that's kind of the name of the game now.
2: That is a, yeah, it's a book by Nassim Nicholas Taleb, anti-fragile. Oh, wow. And okay. yeah, that, that's a big part of, you know, the, the work that I teach people too. It is, it's how do I be in the world and, and not be terrified of everything that could happen? I mean, anxiety, people, you know, anxiety, people, use the term a lot, but I think it does mean different things to different people. But ultimately it's like a fear, a fear of being out in the world, a fear of bad things happening. And it's because you're very fragile because you believe that, you know, whatever happens in the external world can impact me directly. Mm. And I could be, I could be hurt. And that, you know, from an organismic perspective, if you can be hurt, if you feel small, if you feel vulnerable, um, you are, you're, you're like an animal, you're prey. And so you're afraid of predators and you're hiding from predators and you're trying to to get away. And so your body is constantly in the state of fight or flight. We need to adapt because this is an unsafe world. And so becoming anti-fragile and growing in your confidence and your strength as an individual. So anything that helps you feel stronger, anything that helps you feel empowered. And that's why there's so many pathways to healing um, because healing is is anything that breaks you out of that state of feeling small and broken and vulnerable, anything that makes you feel stronger and more confident and more capable and able and, and, you know, resistant and, you know, I'm able to handle things and the whole anti-fragile concept. Is not only am I able, not only am I resilient, but the challenges and the struggles uh, make me stronger. And so everything I've been through, all of my trauma, I'm not a victim of my trauma. My trauma has taught me, my trauma has given me deep wisdom because, you know, resolution is evolution. Everything that you successfully experience, the shock, and you resolve it your nervous system got stronger like that's wisdom you pass on to your descendants you know that's you know like the wisdom you gathered from your ancestors who survived shocking things mm. you know that's that's the cool thing about this work is you can look at your trauma and you could be crushed by it and depressed by it and upset and feel like a victim and you know in many senses like there are people that have been victims of horrible things happening but there are those that have chosen not to take on the identity of the victim and have become stronger and better and more resilient and a teacher of other people of how to overcome difficult external circumstances with kind of an internal resolve and an internal strength. And it is, it's this go within, it's the stoic wisdom. It's how do we become imperturbable to the vicissitudes of of life because things change constantly and if we can't adapt to that change and if we are shocked by every little person coughing on the street or walking by us without a mask on you know we are so vulnerable and it's our responsibility as individuals to get strong it's not our responsibility to live to make sure everybody's in their own plastic bubble so that we're all safe (laughs) it's get strong you know that is you getting strong is the solution to you know these, these conflicts and these fears and this the state of vulnerability
0: yeah I absolutely love it um, I think that's a great place to end the first mm-hmm. half of, of this episode um, this has been such an incredible mind-blowing paradigm shattering dialogue already and I'm so excited for the second part I think let's get deeper into the effects of current events and how that relates to the within the GHK wisdom paradigm. I'd love to hear more about your story as well. Um, to our public audience, we're going to let you go here. Thank you so much for listening to episode 23 of Here for the Truth. If you'd like to keep listening, um, head over to our Patreon and subscribe. And we'd love for you to join our community over there. Um, yeah. All right. We'll see you on the other side for our members. Take care, guys. All right. To our members, welcome back to Here for the Truth. Where we're going to continue this incredible conversation with Dr. Melissa Sell. Just one thing that you finished on, on on, on the other side, which makes so much sense now is that, and I think you've actually mentioned this before in one of your posts, is that entrepreneurs seem to be the healthiest people, right? And that's because they've built that resilience. They've mastered the ups and downs. They've gone through all the turmoil and they've healed their nervous system and they're able to grow and evolve because of that. Like that just makes so much more sense to me now after having this conversation.
2: Totally. Yeah. That resilience, that self-reliance and yes, it's a mentality. And so much of this is it's our personal philosophy and entrepreneurs, people who depend on themselves for, for healthcare and for making their business happen, you know, they have to, you know, they've got to do inner work because they yeah. are facing those demons every day. And it happens to be the same skills that helps an entrepreneur be successful are the same skills that is going to help you to resolve conflict, get through it more quickly. And I mean, obviously it's not to say that an entrepreneur can't have okay. a conflict that goes on for a long time, but it just, they tend to correlate that the skills that you develop um, being your own boss and running your own business um, are very, very helpful for, you know, being more resilient and anti-fragile to the stuff that happens in life.
0: Yeah. Mm. All Erasmus, right, what do you want to go with this next?
1: I want to, I, I want to know more of your story a little bit, but yeah. then at the same. Yeah. So how did you like, what were your rites of passage? Like you went, you, you went to chiropractic school and then you heard about GM, but Tell us a little bit more
0: about like, what were your your major conflicts like?
2: Well, it's, you know, it's funny because I I didn't have any kind of like major like Mm. healing transformation of my own. It was more that when I was 18, I started working at a chiropractic office and I just, I got turned on. (laughs) I was like, oh, this is cool. The body can heal itself. You can take care of yourself. And so I was just so into the the fact that you're not just helpless. You know, I loved that because Mm. the idea that you're just a sitting duck waiting for a lump waiting for your genes to turn on you, waiting for, you know, someone to cough on you and for you to get sick. It was, it's such a disempowering, like the mainstream yeah. narrative, so Thank disempowering. It's
0: Yeah, it's just a matter of time. We're all gonna die anyway. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, and- well
1: the one thing that I, I really appreciate from GNM from GNM and learning GNM and even just um, being friends with you is that I used to be like like I can't eat these foods, or I have to do this, or I have to do that. And like, I wouldn't say I, I stressed myself out over it. I was just very like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't fuck with that, you know, for whatever reason. But I've just kind of like softened my relationship around certain things. And I just, I'm just happier, and and healthier. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I didn't eat white sugar for eight years. You know, like, there are other things that I don't do, and I'm cool with. But like, there's certain stuff like I wouldn't fuck with gluten a lot of the times. Now I'm like, I'm going to fucking have some pizza, you know, I'm going to eat some ice cream, you know, just like, and then as I'm eating it, I'm like, this is nourishing me. I'm enjoying this. This yeah. is amazing. And I don't feel like, oh, I'm bloated right now. Oh, I have the sugar hangover because I haven't tell myself all night. <laughs> like I shouldn't have had the fucking ice cream. I shouldn't have had the ice cream. You know what I mean? It's just like, I'm like, no, this is awesome. I'm living a dope life. I'm enjoying this with people I care about. And then I'm fine.
0: Yeah, but Absolutely. I was I was vegan for five years, right? And towards the end of that journey, that's when I was I feel like I was the most unhealthiest because there's no doubt there was a repression going on. You know what I mean? For sure. Then when I started relaxing around food again, you mean actually my 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 health problems dissipated and and they healed and there was a release, right? So just yeah, again. I think
1: the great the greatest reframe around all of this is is that your body has the innate intelligence. To heal itself and all these other things we talk about support the healing process as opposed to no i started juicing every day and my cancer went away you know what i mean as opposed to potentially that supported you or because you're the kind of person who said hey i'm not just gonna go and just listen to my doctor and and and, and follow the standard protocols i'm gonna take responsibility for my health like almost that More, in essence, is what helps support the healing process as opposed to just like, oh, because I juiced beets and carrots three times a day. You know what I'm saying? Like, what kind of person takes their life and their health in their own hands and does certain things versus what are the actual particular things that you did? Mm.
2: Exactly. Yeah. That was big for me. Cause that, when I, you know, when I got into the world of chiropractic, I, it was very, everything was behavior oriented, eat this, don't eat that change these products, use this instead, do these exercises. And so it was very like a behavior lifestyle prescription that you needed to adhere to. And so that's what I was so passionate about and shoved down everybody's throat <laughs> and, and you must do this and you can't do this. And this is why sugar is bad. And this is why grains are bad. And this, and the, and it's like, and so I created all, you know, there are all these rules that people had to follow and couldn't break. And if you break them, you know, this is the punishment for sin is disease. And the punishment for eating the wrong thing is inflammation. And so that was my paradigm. And so I thought that I was doing like the best work in the world to put all of this on people, but I didn't realize the pressure and the intensity and the, you know, the conflict that that created within them when they did eat the ice cream, mm-hmm. like you said, mm-hmm. they, they do have the thing because they're like, oh, I, I like this thing. I grew up eating this thing. This I enjoy this, but then there's me in the back of their head saying sugar causes inflammation and that's gonna, you know, feed your cancer and that's really bad. And when I, you know, woke up to this, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, that thing that I was doing was putting so much pressure on their behavior, not about the being. And it's all about the beingness. And that's why someone can followed to the letter, the exact things that someone who healed from cancer did. Okay. I did the juicing and I did the vitamin C and I did the coffee enema and I did it and I did it and did and did all the things. I did exactly what they did but I got a different result. Like I didn't, I didn't heal or my thing didn't go away. And it was because it wasn't the thing. It was the being, it was the person and their state of consciousness, their resolved conflicts. You know, like if your conflicts are unresolved, you could eat the best diet. You could do all of the things, but your biological program is going to persist, or you're going to be in a hanging healing and it's going to keep reactivating until you get to the core. And that's why this work helps to make sense out of all of that. And yes, it's all about chilling out. It's all about like truly rest and digest, being at ease, like the nervous system, we're either in fight or flight, rest and digest and everything that we can do to chill out, to let it be okay, let yourself eat the foods that you enjoy. I get messages from people all the time who are like so thankful for this information because they're like, oh my gosh, I can eat things again. Like people who have been down to like two foods. I can only eat two foods. Um, you know, everything else causes problems and it's because you have been, you've had such an indigestible morsel and then you've layered all of these tracks on top of it. And every time you have a flare up, it's like, I can't eat that food. I can't eat that food. And then every time you eat that food again, you have the expectation. Oh, the last time I ate this, you know, it, it caused problems with my digestion. And so you flag all of these foods and then they're off limits to you. And you realizing I created all of these rules. <laughs> I, I'm the one who made it. So this food is indigestible to me. And by changing the programming, resolving the original conflict and then resolving these tracks, I can eat these foods again. And it's just like the best thing ever. It's so fun.
1: <laughs> you, you, you bring up the term tracks. And so just as an example, Would it be something like, let's say I'm a six-year-old kid and I'm eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and then like something happens and like my mom slaps me across the face or there's a big explosion outside or or whatever the case may be. So there's this conflict shock. And so my body associates something with that shock with then the thing that I was doing at the time. And so is that where like allergies play in as well or or am I wrong? (laughs)
2: yep, that's exactly it. That's where allergies and tolerances come from. It's not the food and and everyone should kind of, you know, they do intuitively get this after you explain it to them because they ate that food for 20 years. They ate that food for 10 years and they never had a problem. And then one day, all of a sudden you can't eat peanut butter. You can't eat pistachios. You can't have this food anymore. And you, what? Your body just all of a sudden decided to have an allergic response to it? No. Like you said, the body takes a snapshot at the moment of that loud noise or that fight or that slap and it's uses it as a warning signal. So it's like okay, this was in the system when this bad thing happened. And so if it this gets in our system again, I mean think out in nature. If you, you know, almost got eaten by, you know, a mountain lion and you you smell pine trees, it's like it's very functional. <laughs> it's like, oh, when I get around pine trees, there might be a mountain lion. Therefore, my body is going to preemptively um, mount this biological adaptation so that I can get out of, you know, so I can know. And so that's what's so cool about it. It's like, oh my gosh, my body knows. It knows that I had a shock when this thing was present, this sight, this smell, this sound, this food, this whatever, and now it's using it as a warning signal. And so if I can resolve and allow my body to know that it's safe, I'm safe. This food is safe. This smell is safe. This thing is safe. People have been able to resolve lifetime allergies, things that they couldn't eat for forever just by noticing, recognizing um, and and setting the nervous system at peace, allowing it to not feel as though this is something we need to be worried about. And that's the cool thing is you can use your conscious mind to reprogram the subconscious, to reprogram this deeper level biological reaction that's taking place.
0: Okay, so... Um, my whole life, I've been allergic to prawns, right? But prawns only, not any other shellfish. It's strictly prawns. I can eat crabs till the cows come home, but I eat prawns. I've been to hospital three times for eating prawns. I'm supposed to carry an EpiPen. Um, so you're telling me if I go into the city of eating prawns and with the confidence and the conscious mind that I'm safe, that like the prawns are safe, that I may not have an allergic reaction.
2: Yeah, you might be able to. And that's the thing is, um, you know, I don't suggest people just go ahead and like go eat yeah. the food now. Yeah, I was about to so say like a
1: <laughs> uh, disclaimer here. Uh, she's yeah, not it's, saying it's, to just go eat prawns.
2: It's definitely a gradual process of, you know, yeah. like, can I look back when, yeah. were, when was I eating this food? What was happening? Can I make that connection? Do I know, you know, and, in a lot of times if you can't remember, cause a lot of times people will be like, Oh, what if I can't remember my conflict? One, I think just opening up to your subconscious, your sub, everything is programmed in your brain. <laughs> like your body knows there's a part of you that does know the exact conflict and so, you know, these things can be revealed to us in dreams in realizations and aha moments. And so kind of really getting in tune, asking yourself, subconscious mind, I would like to know what was the conflict? And you might have like a flash, a vision, like some type of thing that helps you to know this is why I was, you know, so if your throat swells up, well, what couldn't I swallow? If your lungs swell up, yeah, was it throat. a territory of fear? So yes, yeah. what could I not swallow? Um, when, you know, that's associated with this prawn, and, can yeah. you, do you know what it was and can you reprogram your nervous system and, you know, try maybe small amounts of it while you're in that state of this is safe. This is nothing to react to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, every individual has to, you know, decide what's best for them. And that's with all of this work, you have to know yourself, understand your biological programs and, and then, you know, am I, can I do the work? Can I, can Mm -hmm. can I, do I want to? Because sometimes, you know, it's easier just to avoid them than to go in and do the work. But if you want to, it's kind of a fun experiment.
0: Incredible, incredible.
1: Yeah, and this is a a segue into something I want to ask you is that the topic of vaccines, you know, people will say, well, vaccine caused my peanut allergy Mm -hmm. or the vaccines um, caused me to have an egg allergy. So from a GHK, GNM perspective, obviously it, can, it has to be more than just that, because then everyone would have um, egg allergies or everyone that got that particular vaccine would have peanut allergies. So what is it that causes certain people or certain children, whatever, to have these reactions to these things that are being blamed on vaccines, but potentially they could play a role, of course. So I'm just curious your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, so we have to look at the individual, you know, and that's yeah. the thing is when we say blanket blanket statements about this causes that and every single person, there's always exceptions. And so, you know, we look at the individual, the child. What were they dealing with? What did they eat that day? What was the process of the vaccination procedure like? Were they being held down? Did they not want to have it? Were they, you know, were, you know, was the their mom out of town for a couple of days prior to, you know, going to the doctor? It's like there's so many variables and factors to take into consideration to figure out why one child developed a particular adaptation, um, an allergic response, a paralysis response, something that happened because. The vaccine in and of itself yes there's um chemicals and things in there that can cause damage to the nervous system that can kind of objectively hurt the body but again not everybody is hurt in the same way not everybody experiences it in the same way therefore we have to look at the individual what they were going through the the whole context in which their particular reaction developed you know, so if they, if their body took a snapshot at that moment of the vaccination, because I mean, are there, yeah, there's eggs in uh, in vaccines. And so it's like a, an element that's in like egg albumin. Is- yeah. Yeah used to grow stuff on um Mm -hmm. you know the body happens to take a snapshot of that that could yes the vaccine created your egg allergy but there's more to the story there's your experience in the moment um, when the vaccine was delivered or maybe you had the vaccine and it wasn't the vaccine but it was it was in your system later that day when you did have a conflict with your mom or with your sibling or something like that
0: Mm. all right so then this is the loaded question that would probably get us banned off YouTube if this was to go on there. But so um, do viruses exist from a GHK perspective? Are there floating particles that are contagion that can cause us harm?
2: So Dr. Homer said that viruses, if they exist, because there is, and if you look into the work of Stephan, Dr. Stefan Lanka, who is a virologist, that the thing we're calling a virus is simply what the body does when it's been poisoned when there has been so you look at the the tissue sam- samples and what they do is they uh, they starve it they give it antibiotics and then they look and they they zoom in on these particles and say aha this is a virus and it's like no that's the effect of doing certain things to a tissue sample and The same thing happens when you do it to a, quote, healthy tissue sample. And so they take, you know, fluid from the lungs of someone who's, you know, allegedly sick with some type of virus, and they do stuff to that fluid. They put antibiotics on it. They starve it of nutrients. And then they look at it under a microscope and they say, oh, this is is the virus. This is the thing that is causing all of these problems. And then they take that and make, you know, chemical concoctions to give your body a little bit of it. (laughs) So it mounts it to in all of it it's smoke and mirrors and when you look into the research and the papers that there this thing called a virus being a contagious element that can pass from person to person has not been proven and what makes more sense you know from the gnm perspective is that there are tissue changes happening at sites so for example covid what is covid COVID is nothing. COVID is, a, you know, look at the, the list of symptoms that they've associated with COVID. It's ridiculous. There, are, Every symptom is on there, basically. Uh, loss of smell and, you know, a headache and a cough and a this and a that. And I mean, all sorts of things have been added to this list, cold toes or, you know, whatever. <laughs> and it's like, these are adaptations that people are experiencing in response to trauma in response to conflict respiratory things um, like a cough like a a chest you know cough and you've got a fever that's kind of the classic symptoms territorial fear Um, and I was speaking with someone I did a podcast with not too long ago and he told me about these other GNM people who kind of did a little bit of digging into the kind of specific nuance of of you know quote, COVID, because that's the thing about all the different biological conflicts is that there are specific nuances, they're flavors of conflict, flavors of experiences. And so if a bunch of people experience the same sort of symptoms, they have the same sort of like nuanced experience. Like, you know, we've all had different new, like, like different, we've had a breakup, we say, oh, we had a breakup, but what was that breakup like? <laughs> not every breakup is the same. Not every shock is exactly the same. There's different little details, and one of the details um, that these people have identified with the like the territorial fear aso- associated with the lungs, associated with the alleged COVID, um, is I don't know who the enemy is. And I was like, oh, that's actually I can I can see that. Like the I don't know who the enemy is. Basically, being out and not knowing where danger is. Fair
0: you know, so that. I- that
2: Think about that, like that territorial fear of, I might be unsafe. I don't know for sure. You know, I don't know who is the enemy. I don't know who has it, who doesn't. I don't know who's been vaccinated, who's not, who's wearing a mask, you know, who, who's touched what. There's kind of this, this fear of, I don't know who the enemy is. And i was like oh that 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 makes a whole lot of sense that that would be kind of the major fear that people have who are you know Mm -hmm. under the spell of viruses cause disease and they believe that a particle can get on you that could be sitting on a door that could be anywhere and you're just vulnerable waiting for you to touch it and then to touch your own face and then boom you're done um and so yeah
0: this gives a whole new meaning to the media is the virus so from this perspective, they are literally broadcasting the symptoms.
2: Yep, they are. They're, they're, they're planting the seed of fear. Oh, it could happen here? Oh, if a person is this far and they, and they cough, you know, it spreads out. The, it's all of this internal imagery that we have. And it is, it's spell casting. I mean, I've said hmm. this about like back to the acne thing that um, like a Neutrogena commercial, like poisoned my brain because I had the idea that, you know, bacteria gets down into my pores and for a while I thought acne would go away if I just scrubbed my face and like rubbed like rubbing alcohol on it. if I just kill all of the bacteria then my skin will be perfect right no my skin was absolutely horrible when I rubbed rubbing alcohol on it um, but I had they planted an idea in my mind and the idea was The problem. The idea was the disease. It was the thing that caused me dis ease. It was the thing that caused me fear. And so, yes, when the when the media and everybody is feeding into, like, I can't listen to anything (laughs) that legitimizes the viral model. I'm just like, no, no, I can't even listen to that podcast you sent me because they're still buying into. And even people who use, like, oh, the immune system. The immune Mm -hmm. system, you know, kills the, the virus if it's strong enough, if you just have enough nutrients and that model totally changes within GNM because we don't look at it as an immune system because that still is that fighting model what is there to be immune against you know so there's still an enemy and if i'm just strong enough you know that's back to the whole lifestyle model if i just don't eat the sugar and if i do eat the greens then my immune system will be strong and i will be resilient against the evil bugs but that even still is looking at i can be weakened i can be in a state of weakness and then the bugs take over and that that was my old paradigm my old mi- mindset And it was it was this punishment for sin kind of thing I thought about, like, if I had a peanut butter cup with sugar in it, I had the idea that that suppresses my immune system and when my immune system is suppressed, that the strep bacteria in my throat, they then take over so the bad bacteria takes over because I sinned I did the bad thing I ate the peanut butter cup, my immune system went down and now the evil bacteria takes over that goes away that is that's not what happened if I had I can't swallow conflict related to either the peanut butter cup or something else um, my throat adapts and that's that's what's happening is there's an adaptation process and then when I resolve the conflict there's swelling in my throat I can't swallow very well I'm coughing you know if they swabbed me they might say oh you've got strep in your throat and that's causing the problem but no The strep, the the bacteria is there as a helper. It's there as a healer. And so when you see how different this is, you get rid of the idea of the immune system, something that defends, it's simply a support system. The body, the bacteria that are there are supporting you. They're doing what they need to do. The whole idea of viruses, viruses are allegedly found in the ectodermal tissues. And so if there's anything there, it's simply a part of the process. If the viruses are there, really and we don't even know that they are, it's something serving a purpose um, or it's a part, a byproduct of the tissue adaptation that takes place in that particular germ layer. So that's kind of the story with viruses. Um, and then again, there's not valid proof that a thing called a virus exists. And so we have to completely, you know put quotes around it every time we talk about it because if we do anything to legitimize the idea of a virus that causes a disease, you know we're playing in a world that you know is not proven.
1: Yeah, and and that's like I've been moving more into that place where people will send me videos all the time of like some PhD or some MD like speaking like giving testimony to whatever. Hey, listen, I'm I'm happy that there are people that are speaking out against the vaccine, etc. But they're still living within this this world under this umbrella of germ theory, and I just can't I just can't entertain it anymore. Like my views and my beliefs. Uh, Uh, are shifting around this and it feels like the immune system is like the thing like the rationalization to just explain away the fallacy of germ theory because it doesn't impact everyone so it's like well you have a stronger immune system oh no your immune system is weaker you know what i mean like it just feels like they go hand in hand and it's like no that doesn't doesn't, doesn't
0: like we have different size shields made out of different things you know what i mean but it's right like what, what do you what do you under this model like what do you what are you protecting yourself against right if for, for there to be a protection mechanism there has to be a threat but if there's no threat other than a conflict which the resolution of such you're completely in control of then yeah immune system goes out the window it's like yeah and out. and, and, yeah. and it's,
1: it's kind of ridiculous because they they'll, they'll be let's say a younger person who you would think has a stronger immune system but is living uh with certain conflicts or living with fear become symptomatic and yet my 91 year old dad okay, who's been vaccinated once in his life and is super resilient, you know, grew up super poor in Greece. And just like the life that he's lived, like blows my mind. I could tell stories. And like he, he flew to, to California from New Jersey, flew back to, flew back to uh, New Jersey and then flew to Greece. And it's like, you know, he didn't get the virus or the new variant. You know what I mean? And it's like he, his immune system is probably not very strong in the sense you know what I mean? He's dealt with health issues and things like that, so I just think it's I just think it's silly, and I just I'm not partaking in in anymore.
0: Okay, so through this lens, hypothetically, if someone had to get the vaccine, if they went into the doctor's office in a more calm state, more aware of their nervous system, more more aware of this knowledge, etc., hypothetically and technically speaking, could would someone that's in complete fear of the vaccine have a much different quote unquote reaction than the person who is actually aware of this? You know what I mean? From the perspective now of the vaccine being a threat.
2: That just, I think it really depends on the the individual, the context. Why am I doing this? You know, and a lot of people have asked me because, the getting it um seems to be the path of least resistance to just getting back to life as normal and so a lot of people are doing it because they're like oh well i just want to be able to travel i just want to be able to work or i just want to be able to you know whatever um and so it really depends on on truly your deeper perception of it because if it is it a violation of your integrity to do it does it go against some type of deeper value can you can you convince yourself this isn't a problem i'm okay with this i can transmit this well yeah sure but it's like why are you putting yourself in That position to Mm. begin with, and so I think that you know, like that is such a such an inner truth moment. It is why am I doing this? Am I am I? Why would I put myself in the position to have to transmute something and to make it so this doesn't affect me? Um, I really have to you know look deeper at why would I consent to this? Is you know, it out of yeah. fear? Is it out of coercion? Is it out of you know uh, people pleasing or you know not wanting to have to change my lifestyle or you know um, to have to do something different? And so I think that there's there's a lot to that story. Yeah. As mm-hmm. like you know how how am I going to perceive this vaccine? You, you really don't know until until you go through it. Yeah. You know how I mean, like both- it's kind of that moment of like what have I done? You could be you know mentally because that's the thing about biological programs too and conflicts is it's not it's not a mental thing like your your mind your conscious mind can intervene and can help you t- tremendously, but ultimately it's a biological thing. It is like, it's your body. And if your body, if you can, you can say, I'm totally fine with this. I, you know, I'm going to be okay. Um, But if in that moment, you know, you're actually there and there's the nurse and here's the thing and here's the needle and it's going in, like you can still have a conflict despite the fact that you thought that you were like, you know, Superman going in there and that, oh, this isn't going to affect me. I'm going to be totally fine. You know, if your body felt threatened, if, if your psyche, if they're, you know, looking at those layers, we don't necessarily, Necessarily have like conscious access to all of the layers of of our subconscious and our biological programming if you felt fear in that moment if you felt i'm making a mistake i shouldn't have done this you know at a deeper level even though your mind's like you're great you're doing fine you know yeah. the biology wins
1: out
0: mm-hmm. well i mean compromise, also- yeah, compromise is a massive internal conflict so, yeah. the other thing
1: the other thing i was thinking around that is let's say okay let's rewind back last year you know where people were like oh my god this well i guess it's still happening but like this virus is gonna get me oh my god i'm gonna stay home i'm in quarantine i'm in lockdown like i'm just staying and staying in wait there's a vaccine and so someone gets the vaccine and the vaccine for them resolves their conflict and then yes. they start becoming symptomatic showing symptoms. So it's like, I got the vaccine, but I still got COVID. Is that, could that be a thing that's happening as well?
2: Oh, that's constantly happening. I think that like all of the people who got the vaccine, got their second, they're like, Oh, sigh of relief. Oh, I'm, you know, they, they're immune. I'm immune. Yeah. And then boom, they, you know, they have COVID, but then they're so thankful they got the vaccine because then it would be worse. It is, it's totally conflict resolution. It's because they have put so much faith and confidence in, in this vial that as soon as they get it, they resolve their territorial fear. Now they feel like they can, you know, they're okay. They're safe. They've gotten their, you know, their, stamp seal of approval um, and they resolve they go into a state of relaxation and then their body repairs and then they get the exact symptoms that you know they allegedly are protected from
0: yeah well until the third fourth and fifth, boost, fifth boost <laughs> and fifth stuff, then they're repeating the same conflict right,
1: right? <laughs> so is this idea like because from what i hear is like they have an isolated covid whatever covid is so then so then what the fuck's a variant Like is this just all like world world wordplay and just more fear mongering? Or is it just like people who are getting the vaccine and then and I'm not saying you have the answer to this, but just I'm curious your thoughts, but like getting the vaccine and then resolving the conflict and then getting more symptoms or more and more people are getting the vaccine and then resolving the, the whole nation of people are getting it thinking that they were going to die from COVID and then they resolve their conflict and then, and then they started getting new symptoms or the same old symptoms. And, and then more and more people have it. It's like, we have a variant. You know what I mean? Like, just like it just feels like this weird cycle of just bullshit.
2: I mean, I don't know how people buy it. I mean, it's clearly story spinning, improvisation. All right, well, we got to keep the fear train moving. And and this is, oh, plausible. Oh, well, you know, the vaccine does increase the variants, but the variants tend to be, you know, less virulent or they're less intense or, you know, and like, and people just eat it right up, they're like, oh yeah. Oh Delta, oh Delta's intense. De- you know, you hear people talk about these things like they're real. And it isn't, it. it is all smoke and mirrors, and the emperor has no clothes, and we all have to talk about it and say, Oh, well, I had COVID the first time, and so now I've got Delta. And oh, it's a it's a whammy. It's just like, oh, if you only paid attention to all of the things, all the things going on in your psyche. For last six months last 18 months what's been going on and if you if you made those connections you would see right through it but i mean who even knows what you know worst case scenario with these these vaccines and this you know luciferase and all of the kind of crazy things that potentially um, are being injected into people that you know what what is this doing what is it doing to people um we don't really know We, we have no idea you know, it's not a traditional vaccine. It's not, you know, like, like the ones from the past. Um, And so I think it is, it's, it's totally a mystery. It's totally people buying into it for social cred and for, you know, loving science. And I mean, it's, it's mind boggling uh, to me still. (laughs) Hashtag I'm a better
1: person than you. Hashtag I'm better than you. Hashtag I care about your grandma. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah and yeah, the, the virtue signaling is is really what it's all about and people um like claiming to care about people it, it's just wild and it's groupthink, and it is um I don't even yeah. know I mean I yep. think a, my people
1: you're a, you're a Randian you're a fan of Ayn Rand what what do you yeah. think that brilliant woman would be saying right now
2: I mean she, it's the, the, the group thing, the collectivism, the um, you know, she, she saw it coming. <laughs> she knew yeah. that people were going in this direction and not thinking for themselves and did not like look at their individual. Like that's the, that's the thing that she, she teaches of the virtue of selfishness and looking at, you know, you as an individual and understanding how, you know, it's your own mind. It's the the work of my own mind. I can't think through the mind of another. And that's the major problem that we have Is people, you know, who are thinking using talking points and narratives, and they don't actually look at the logical consequence and conclusions of the things that they're believing they they're just like uh she's got a great quote it's really super long but it's basically like you're just this grab bag of slogans and so like you're you don't actually think you don't actually understand this is the problem with the my body my choice people is because they they you know they they get the slogan um and they love the slogan but they don't they haven't extrapolated the slogan to what it actually means that means full 100% bodily autonomy there are no exceptions to that they're not they're not oh well if it's contagious then you don't have you know it's, it's everybody's body no it is not our body it is my body I am an individual and I mean even just the idea and this is um BJ Palmer um one of the founders of chiropractic he's got this great little essay about health is individualistic it is not communistic you know like there is not herd health there is individual health you know and that that mindset that it's the herd is oh I wear my mask for you and you wear your mask for me no that's not how it works I am an individual you are an individual we have individual health and that's the thing about GNM that kind of just brings it all full circle and it makes perfect sense it's me I can you know walk through a valley of coughing COVID people and be unaffected you know if I within my own individual sphere understand my health, I'm unperturbed, I'm I'm not afraid, Um, I'm I'm unconflicted. I don't develop the same symptoms as you because I'm an individual, because I use my own mind um, and come to my own conclusions. And it's when you meld your mind with the herd. And that's what everyone's trying to do. It's like, no, you must meld your mind with the herd. You aren't an individual. It's not about you. It's about us. It's about your neighbor. It's about the, you know, the, uh, immunocompromised. And so you don't do this for you. You do it for everybody. And it's like, that is, that is pure evil. (laughs) That is communism. That is, you know, you not existing as an individual, you don't matter because we matter. And so, yeah, that's what she'd have to say about it. I think.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. It's collectivism is the most despicable thing that you mean is, has ever played part in us. Um, but this brings me to now the whole fear of the spike proteins right oh i fear the vaccinated now because of the spike proteins I don't, want to hang, I don't want to hang out with vaccinated people because of the spike proteins and then it's another another bag of worms
1: it just feels like it's the same it's the same, same type thing, of fear, just but it's, it's the same but thing it's flipped on a different you know yeah. group Just
2: eat, drink your pine needle tea I mean yeah i, I don't i don't buy any of it I haven't seen a spike protein. I'm not going to consent to the idea of a spike protein. I'm not going to consent to the idea that, you know, all these vaccinated people are, are spreading something to me. I will not consent to that idea. Therefore, it will not affect me, you know, and it's like these invisible, and that's the thing, fear of the invisible is, I mean, that's classic kind of cult religion. Um. Oh, this invisible thing, it's going to get you, and we've seen it under microscopes, and it's like, I'm not interested in things that you see under microscopes. I'm interested in things I see with my own eyes. (laughs) You know, it's like our bodies didn't come equipped with microscopes. (laughs) Therefore, they must not be of utmost importance. You know, it's like uh, what's going on in my blood is none of my business. I I, like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know about my tumor markers. I don't want to know about my, you know, C-reactive protein. I'm not interested because that is, you know, if I can't, if my ancestors (laughs) didn't know about it, why do I need to know about it? Why, if you're going to tell it to me, clearly it's to get me to do something. It's to get me to be afraid or to buy a product, you know? And so I I really think that these things that you can't verify with your own eyes, you can't make sense out of, it's got to be some kind of weird thing that happens in an electron microscope when we do this and that. And, you know, it's like that I'm not interested in. I am interested in this whole, again, that anti-fragile It's if I am susceptible to believing in every little invisible thing that could be out there that could hurt me, you know, I'm going to live in fear and I'm not willing to live in fear of invisible things that I can't prove that somebody says is doing something to me. It's only if I consent to that idea and allow it as a spell to be cast over me. Am I affected by it?
0: Mm -hmm. And it's pretty incredible. The correlations between, you mean the ancient control mechanisms of religion being the fear of the invisible and how that's translated to I mean, the big pharma medical industrial complex. Just you mean indifferent, in indifference terrain, But really, it's the same fucking thing, right? Um, uh, yeah, just the the evolution of tyranny.
1: And I love what you say around. I just do not consent to that idea, to that belief. And it's, I it to, I totally resonate with it. Cause mm-hmm. I've been telling people for the last year, I'm like, throw me in a fucking COVID ward and let people fucking like lick me and spit on me and breathe on me. I'll be fine. Like, yeah. I'm not worried. Like, I don't, I don't roll like that. That's just not the way I live my life.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and even like from a, you know, like a spiritual cosmic kind of quantum perspective, you know, all is mind. Like that's, that's one of the things that, you know, really resonates so deeply with me. And I see it everywhere. It's like, it's all mind. And if, and it is, it's what do I consent to? What am I believing in? And our, and our biology, and it is, it's looking back to nature, looking back to natural law, looking back to you know, the organization of the universe and, you know, kind of our getting back to our roots and looking at all of the crap that we've just layered on over the years, these models and paradigms and dogmas and belief systems and fear and all of this stuff and and stripping it all away. And it's like, I want to see what's really here. I want to see things through my own eyes. It is, it's my own understanding because my understanding of all this stuff isn't going to help anybody, (laughs) you know, it's helping me. And that's why you know, empowering people to, to come up with their own understanding. Like, what do you actually believe? Why do you think the things that you think? Why do you consent to the ideas that you consent to? You know, if you don't, if you aren't willing to think, and that's one of Ayn Rand's things too, is like people aren't thinking, they don't think. They think that they're thinking, but they're regurgitating. They, they think that they understand something, but they're just repeating talking points. And so you can see that in people you know, based on the ideas that they consent to, that are not coherent. <laughs> they do not make sense. But in their mind, they've kind of cobbled together all of this stuff, and it's like, oh, this is the way to be socially approved of, and that's how that's how they live their life. And you know, I live my life by nature. I look at nature. I, I rem- remember that the, all of this came to be without all of the the medical interventions and all of the inventions that we have now um, and kind of more simplistic. I actually, you know like viruses wouldn't be possible without computers.
1: Hmm. You
2: know it's like it's a computer model that that sequences a virus. And so it's like hmm, maybe maybe the whole idea of the virus, it is a product of the computer. It's like artificial intelligence. it is you know it's that it's um, a
0: transhumanism.
2: Yeah, it's the the AI taking over. It's like we have consented to this idea of this sequenced virus and all these computers and all these fancy scientists and all these you know things that they've created. And it's like, oh, this is a product of your technology. It is. This is a, is a it's a technological problem, not a biological problem. Because my biology clearly is doing fine. Clearly has done a very good job up until this point. All of my ancestors have survived, and here I am. You know, and like I don't need you. And that's the thing is is getting away from the technology because it is you don't need it you know and when you come to rely on it think about i mean are people even thinking like what does that look like to be completely reliant on you know pharmaceuticals every 6 months in order to survive in the world have you thought about the logical conclusion of what kind of world that is when every single person is dependent upon a pharmaceutical in order to even survive
0: yeah or what kind of life that you're going to be living under that under that paradigm like that's the saddest thing i can possibly imagine that you have to continually consent to this bullshit narrative in order to go about and live the life that you think you're meant to have like it's ridiculous and obviously we can see that what's what's being born out of this is a a whole new a whole new breed of individuals at the same time you know what i mean and i fucking love it
1: didn't they just say didn't you just say in Israel that now people who are double vaccinated are considered unvaccinated if they don't get the booster?
0: Yeah, that's that's coming everywhere, bro. It's like that,
1: a whole it's like a whole nother level of the divide and conquer strategy. It's like we got them on the first level, now we'll get them on the next level. We'll pit the triple vaxxers against the double vaxxers. Ha <laughs> ha
2: hmm. crazy. And that's why, like, like this back to nature. I feel like so many people are like, Get me some land, let me yeah. grow some food and learn how to learn how to live and it it is when you look at people and this is interesting like studies they've done on on kids that grow up around dogs or people who grow up on farms you know how they they are you know tend to be more resilient or have better immune systems quote immune systems but it's because they you know they're exposed to life you know and then you think about kids who are grown you know who live in these very sanitized homes and they are germophobes and they're afraid of of yucky stuff versus kids who are like shoveling horse poop and like putting fertilizer and manure on, you know, on crops. It's like you have be become, you know, one with nature. You're like, oh, like- like uh, poop and dirt and all this stuff that I get exposed to, I, I'm not grossed out by it. But people yeah. who you know have been grown in these plastic bubbles from day one in a sanitized hospital and you put antibiotic ointment in their eyeballs, <laughs> like the moment they come out into the world, that's like one of my things is like when you see pictures of like babies and they've got this shiny goo on their eyes, it's because they automatically, they just drop this antibiotic goo into babies' eyes. And it's like just their protocol. And it's, you know, and so that's that, you know, so I'm so excited to listen to the, um, you know the podcast you guys just did yeah. <laughs> because uh yeah i think that the the whole birth process how it's been ripped out of nature you know people gave birth in barns you know uh, <laughs> this is, people gave birth on the prairie and in the dirt and you know now we have to have these you know ultra sanitized rooms and people you know operating rooms to to give birth in and it's just so apart from nature and then the kids that are born into those environments you know they are afraid of Mm. of germs and bugs and, and things. And, you know, they're constantly sanitized and the helicopter mom who can't, you know, the child can't have anything on them. And so like just returning to nature, that's how you become resilient because you say, oh, there's nothing to fear in this dirt or this, you know, this stuff that's on me. I don't need to be conflicted about it. And so I think that it is in so many ways, such a good thing because some people are they are like, I got to get out of the city. (laughs) I'm going to get rid of my smartphone. (laughs) I want to return to nature. And I think that that is, you know, a beautiful, beautiful solution and a beautiful kind of coming full circle of like, you know, technology is great because it allows us to do this and Mm -hmm. we connect many great people and so using it instead of being used by it i think is is definitely where we're headed
0: yeah 100 this just brought me to another point as well like the whole um genetic in my genetics the genetic disease it's not genetics it's your parents fear being passed on to you right it's their conflicts which weren't resolved which are now your conflicts because their fear is your fear because that's how they live live their life and raise you
2: Exactly. like The genetics, um, it's the same as like the quote germs, because they are, they are effects, not causes. And that's where everything gets confused is when we look at something like a gene or a, a microbe, and we give it causative power, we say the gene is what's caused this cancer, the uh, the virus or the The bacteria is what's caused this infection, this sickness, and so we take an effect and we give it the power of the cause, when in fact it is merely an effect of something else and so yes the the genetic things that are passed on through families the genes change in response to what? I mean, the epigenetics—it's the trauma. It's what did the parents experience? What did they go through? I mean, they've seen this in, in people who have gone through famines and how that changes how a person—you know—the the quote genes that they pass on. But what is it? It's just cell memory. It's oh, <laughs> these people went through some shit, and so you need to have this adaptation at the ready because you might go through that same shit. You know, like that's that's what. Quote genetic disease is, it is, it's adaptations made by organisms who lived in a certain environment. And so these adaptations um, conferred some survival benefit. And, and that's all you need to know is this this at some point helped one of my ancestors survive. And my job is to become aware of it and break the pattern um, if, if I'm able to. And so that's the cool thing, is you, you know, it's not deterministic just because you have a gene doesn't mean, I mean, I mean, how tragic is that, that people literally cut off their body parts because they think they have some invisible gene that might cause some disease somewhere down the line. And so they literally remove their body parts.
1: Yeah. yeah a lot of people have been doing that with, uh, mastect- mastectomies. They've just taken the cutting off their breasts because of some specific gene that could lead to breast cancer one day. I mean, this,
0: oh. yeah, man. All right. Well, uh, well, we're, we're kind of running out of time a little bit. But one thing I do want to touch on is, hey, do you have something to say? Bro?
1: Well, there's just a few things I wanted to say, yeah, because go. just from a GNM and m standpoint, because you hear often, well, you know, my child got sick, and then I got sick, and then my husband got sick. Mm. So what's that?
2: Yes, I'm so glad you asked that. I get that question all the time because people are like they have very real felt experiences where you know they were fine, but their husband was sick or their kid was sick and then they got in the house and then everybody got it. And so that's the thing. More is going on than merely the transfer of particles. When when your partner is sick, when your kid is sick, how do you feel about them being sick? What is your experience? And so that's how, like, when you, you know, when my partner is sick. I am, I'm concerned about him. I'm, you know, I, I wish that he wasn't sick. He, I don't like to see him uncomfortable. You know, like, and that you have to look at the energy transfer of what's happening. What got him sick in the first place? What was the, the conflict that he experienced that set off his tissue adaptation? You know, and so that's why conflict in families, you know, kids are, are picking up on what you're feeling. And so if you are in a, a dispute, like you got in a fight or with someone at the grocery store, and you experience the territorial fear. And then you you tell everybody all about it. And it was like, oh, it was terrible. You know, like we are transferring so much energy and information and, and feelings. And we're all picking up on, you know, like we mirror each other. And so I can pick up the, the same sort of energy that led to your conflict and have my own version of that conflict um, or a different conflict. Because sometimes, you know, one person has, um, you know, like a chest cold and then somebody else gets like the stomach flu. Stomach flu. Mm. And it's like, okay, it's and those variation in symptoms and the variation in the degree of the symptoms has to do with how the conflict hit that person versus how they hit the other person. Because then there's always, you know, the one person in the family that doesn't get sick. And so it's like, well, how does that work? They were eating the same food, breathing the same air. They were experiencing the same kind of emotional environment, but they didn't, it didn't impact them in the same way. And so that's why we always have to look at all of the individuals involved. How did they feel? What was going on with them? Because it's it's so it's not just about particle transfer. Cause that's what people think, you know, like with STDs, they think it's just particle transfer of it's like, but when you have a sexual experience with someone, you know, it's not merely just the juices and the particles that are mingling, like you're having a complex experience of that person and of yourself and of the the act and the situation and all of your past history with, you know, it's like it's loaded. <laughs> and so that's it's good. a loaded. Situation with a lot of, of complex um experiences that could be shocking, catch you off guard, you're not prepared for. And so, yeah, so when a bunch of people get something, we have to look at what did those bunch of people experience? And so, you know, families can experience conflicts, regions can experience conflicts. And so when we look at things like, you know, pandemics it's like, what was kind of a mutually felt experience? Did, you know, was there a war? Did everybody have to get sent off to war? All your sons are overseas now. Um, You know, was that a conflict? Were you afraid for their existence? Were they going to die? Were you afraid for the safety of your territory? Were you afraid of, you know, invaders or or bombings, like what was going on that a lot of people experienced at the same time, because once that conflict is over, when's, when does the sigh of relief come? There's a sigh of relief. Oh, this thing that was a threat is no longer a threat. This thing that was a problem is no longer a problem. This family, you know, like, family gatherings that everybody was nervous about, oh, the family gathering is over um, and we've all relaxed. And it's like, oh, now everyone has diarrhea. (laughs) It's like, okay, you know, you couldn't, it was an indigestible morsel or it was a territorial fear. And so whenever a bunch of people develop symptoms, you know, science and people want to say, oh, it was just the particle. The particle just must have spread everywhere. And it's like, well, what about the people? <laughs> what about the people and their experiences and their reactions and their emotions? And that's what I'm interested in is individual experience, because that's what tells the story of the symptom. The symptom is simply um, a physical um, reaction to the experience, the shock.
1: So the Spanish flu of 1918 happened post-World War I, which an entire continent was experiencing a certain conflict or shock and then it ended and then et cetera xyz happened is that is that one element of it totally a lot of people a lot of people bring up vaccines too around you know spanish flu so i just i don't know i was just curious your thoughts on that
2: Yeah, that's what we have to look at. We have to look at what was going on with the people. What what could have been a mass resolution leading to a lot of people developing symptoms? The resolution of a war, you know, of oh, this 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 danger, this threat is no longer a threat there's a sigh of relief. Now everybody starts coughing yeah. and we think, oh, it's gotta be, you know, this, this germ that's going around. Um, but no, we look at the, the situation. We look at the, the stuff that people in the region where the problem developed, what were they experiencing? And, 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 and I mean, it makes so much sense and you can't yeah. just look at like, when you look at numbers, statistics just aren't interesting to me. Like, oh, all of these people, you have to look at individuals. You know, because those it's it's every, because there are people that didn't get it, mm-hmm. you know, like even, even when there's a pandemic, even when there's, you know, a plague, what about the people that survived? That's what I'm interested in. Why are there people that made it through what was allegedly some big plague that affected so many people? Why did people live? Why did people survive? You know, there's got to be something going on in those people that they weren't um, susceptible or they didn't experience that same shock um, like everybody else did.
1: And would you say the more intense, or the more extreme or the more lengthy that this thing is going on, then what comes on the other side of it is going to be just as extreme. So like a seven-year war where millions of people are dying, you know, you're getting a notice that your son, your child, your husband, your brother was murdered, uh, died in war for however many years. Then once the war ends, it's like, you know Absolutely. what I mean? Like, it's okay. That's, yeah, it's fascinating. So yeah, it's Intensity. just a complete, yeah. complete new way of looking at all of this.
2: Yep. Everything needs to be looked at through, through a different lens. And it's so cool because, you know, um, you can look back at your whole life, look back at your whole life, look at every time, you know, you got sick or you, you know, had pneumonia or had to go to the hospital or something happened to you. Um, see if you can connect the dots because that's when it becomes real for you. That's when it goes from this idea that you heard about on a podcast like these crazy people talking about to oh mm okay you bring it in you you look at you know you see the acne through the lens you see the things that you've experienced your digestive troubles your your skin issues your teeth problems your vision problems then you look at oh my gosh this is what was going on this is what i was losing sleep about this is what i was preoccupied with this is what was on my mind constantly 24 7 you know for three weeks and then boom there was my resolution and when you can map it out for yourself that's when it becomes you know something that isn't just an idea it's a it's a deep inner knowing And the better that you can get at recognizing when you're conflicted, when your hands go cold, when you're, when you're not eating, when you're not sleeping, that's when that's how you get to know your body. Let's say I'm in a conflict there's something going on that's unresolved. Um, I, and I, I want to resolve it as quickly as possible. And when that becomes your lifestyle, when you are constantly just developing greater and greater self-awareness, you know, what triggers you, you know, what creates a state of dis-ease, which is a state of adaptation. This is conflict activity. And so this is my body's either building up extra tissue, eroding tissue, or losing function. You know, there's three things that could be happening on the tissue level. And it's like, I want that to go on as briefly as possible, you know, because the longer it goes on, the longer and the more intense that it is, the more tissue adaptation, once you resolve it, you're going to have to go through an equivalent repair phase, you know? So if you were conflict active for three weeks, you're going to be under the weather, this would be, you know, I'm under the weather, you are going to be symptomatic. That means your body's going to be vagotonic. You're going to be exhausted and fatigued and, you know, symptoms, coughing, you know, headache, there's going to be symptoms. And so if you understand that and you can reframe it and say, I know, you know, I know that this is because people have like an inner time frame. If if this goes on for another day, I'm going to the doctor. (laughs) This goes on for another day. I'm going to the doctor. And it's like, if you understand though, oh, I was in the conflict for three weeks. I know I'm I'm in it. <laughs> I'm in this healing phase for three weeks, and so you you again you have the ability to to be your own doctor, you know. And yes, are there times when getting medical support can be helpful during a healing phase? Yeah, but you want to know and use it wisely instead of using it rampantly and you know let's just, just take an antibiotic and kill the bacteria or take a steroid and decrease the inflammation. And it's like, oh, am I cutting my healing short? Am I not learning and going through this whole process and trusting my body? And so that's where you know it does it. It allows you to to get to know your biology on a deep level, and it'll change the way that you you operate in your world.
0: Um, yeah, Melissa, this has been the most empowering, exciting, mind blowing, paradigm shattering conversation that I've had the pleasure to be um, part of and I'm extremely grateful that you you shared your time with us and I mean I know our listeners are gonna be super grateful to have met you and I'm so glad that we're able to introduce you to them as well because you mean most people that listen to this podcast they're on the path of self-responsibility and so to have this information which just brings that to a whole nother new level when it comes to your health and your well-being um, it's it's, it's it's fascinating and it's crazy how you go through life and there's just always something lurking on the other side which would just fucking blow it out of the water again you know um it's i it's love awesome. it
1: yeah i love it um melissa you're you're fucking incredible you're a gem in this plant on this planet and um i'm just so grateful to know you and have become friends with you it's you're, you're a blessing and so thank you from the bottom of my heart for, yeah. for just for for g m For me, I, I would have never, I mean, maybe I would someday, but just to learn it when I did is just uh, through you is amazing. It's such a gift. Um, so speaking of it being a gift for me, how can people learn more? How can they get in touch with you? What information would you like to share?
2: Yeah, Instagram, Telegram, YouTube, my website, Dr. Melissa Sell everywhere, Dr. Melissa Sell, um, is where you can find me. And I highly recommend go to the YouTube channel because, you know, that's, that's typically, I want you to learn as much as possible about this. I want you to see the biological laws all laid out and so that you can start kind of getting the wheels turning. And then if you've got symptoms or questions or, you know, I work with people one-on-one to kind of explore your personal history, what's gone on, what do you get stuck on? What are these ongoing issues that you're having? What can you do to get out of the pattern? And so that's what we talk about. Um, you know, when I do one-on-one work with people, it is let's 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 help you to see what you need to see so you can break the cycle of conflict, of relapses, um, so that you can downgrade and allow yourself to access the, the deep wisdom and the healing in your body that has always been yours will always be yours. And it's like, there's just something going on outside of your awareness. And so my work really is all about greater awareness. And so, yeah, uh, reach out, connect with me. I'd love to answer your questions and, and help you guys in any way I can.
0: Yep. Let's drop the mic right there, guys. Thank you so much for listening to here for the truth. Such a pleasure to share this with you all. If you if you enjoy this podcast, please tell your friends about it. Please share this because this is something that you know what I mean. I feel like so many people will benefit from. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see you all next time. Melissa, thank you again.
2: Thanks, guys. Take
0: care, Take care everyone. Care. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in the time they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms, cause they'd be too busy snoozing, I'm in a DeLorean. and